Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Nolan Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kolsick, joined us ever by Noel Kirkpatrick and uh, Noel. I know you're not very excited about it, but I'm excited because, guys, Noel has a job. Woo! Also, Noel has his actual job this week, too, which I'm very excited, like all of his writing. But also, other people are, are, are paying you nowhere near what you deserve to do stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I have a limited hour part-time job, um, which I am excited about because um, it gets me back at a college campus, which I'm I'm excited about being back at a college campus. Um, so I'll be working there part-time and I'm excited about it um, and eager to just kind of help people figure out how to do margins in Microsoft Word. <laughs> oh, the joys. I remember thinking I was pulling things off back in the day and I now know I was definitely, definitely not. It's like 12 versus 12.5 font. They can see the difference and they oh, know. Oh, yeah. It's super noticeable. It's like, very it's, noticeable. It's very noticeable. So yeah. now I will be working in a computer lab. Um, yeah, no, I'm excited about it. And the people, um, I'm the my supervisor is my future supervisor because I haven't officially started yet. Was also really excited um, since I am, as she said in the interview multiple times, way overqualified for this position. <laughs> uh, um, but I checked off a lot of the boxes that they were looking for, particularly with the fact that I, I have an experience teaching at a college level. Um, and I have experience teaching and also working with um, underrepresented and minority populations in an education setting. So it was just like, oh, you know so many things, but you're we should be paying you more but we can't yeah well you never so. know when something's gonna lead to something else is something right. i have very yeah. much learned so yeah there's at so, least that there's and that yeah. i'm also very uh jealous of you because you got to interview rebecca sugar so actually i, I don't know if i maybe i'm not jealous of you because i might have like freaked out too much i shockingly did not freak out a any at all. I think I would have if it had been in person. Mm -hmm. But since it was over Skype, uh, since I cannot record phone calls on my phone anymore due to security features, which is good and bad. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, I got to talk to Rebecca Sugar for about 20, 25 minutes about the Steven Universe movie. And it was very delightful. She is really interesting to talk to. Um, off mic, I will tell you all the things. Um, <laughs> but no, she's really delightful to talk to. And I talked to her because of the movie. Um, I did a package for tvguide.com. So my review of the Steven Universe movie is up over at tvguide.com right now as you're listening to this. And then on Monday, I have a piece devoted entirely to Rebecca Sugar talking about doing a musical and that kind of a thing uh, that will air, that will go up Monday morning. And then Tuesday, um, I have another piece taken from interviews with her, taken from the interview with her. That's about all the stuff that I was not allowed to talk about in the review, which listeners, Cartoon Networks do not reveal guidelines basically amounted to, you're allowed to talk about the first 10 minutes of the movie, and then you may talk about absolutely nothing else. <laughs> So I'm not even a lot. 
Yeah, I'm not even allowed to tell you the antagonist's name. Like, that was one of the first things on the Do Not Reveal list, is I cannot tell you the character's name. And so it's just like, okay, that's fine. It's very <laughs> stupid. but that's And that's the thing, is like... I, you know, if I were a if I were a younger, less experienced kid, I'd be like, "Oh, that must mean there's some really amazing, shocking revelations coming." No, no, it doesn't mean that. It just means they're being stupid. Is what I have learned. Some of these spoiler uh, restrictions are are just really, really out there. They are, and so this one, for most of it, was really out there. One thing is something that's totally worth respecting. I feel like, um, but uh, some of it was just not. Um, but um, yeah, so go 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 to tpguide.com, Look for the review. I, all I talk, all I spoil is the first ten minutes, and it's mostly just exposition anyway. And then it's thematic stuff. Um, but it's real good. Um, it's really lovely. It's really delightful. Um, we're going to talk about it next week in depth yeah. after you've had an opportunity to watch it. And um, as you note in our rundown, if you have a program for Steven Universe in your DVR, you actually need to record the movie itself, not the series, because otherwise it won't work. Yeah, I was looking through, I was like updating our notes and like the shows that are coming up and everything. And I was like, you know, I should check my DVR settings to see like if there's a new episode of like Drunk History or some of these other shows that are sporadic. And I scroll down, I'm like, wait, I'm not seeing Steven universe what's this about and then i search and i and a completely separate thing came up and i was like yeah. oh that's not cool because no, it's not i would not have known that i needed to set a separate recording so public service announcement listeners get to your dvrs and check because it's airing at least in central time like at five o'clock central yeah. um so it's like not a normal evening kind of time it'd be very easy for you to miss it and then have to like wait 24 hours to watch it and try to avoid spoilers it's a whole thing Nobody wants that. So, uh, yeah, Cartoon Network programming, uh, like the DVR settings and stuff can be irritating. And this is just another example of that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, yeah, do that. Yeah, definitely, definitely do that. Um, also, in TV news this week, the only other thing I have besides the Steven Universe thing is uh, that apparently Phoebe Waller-Bridge is going to host SNL. Uh, in October. So that's pretty cool. And she's going to be hosting in the Taylor Swift episode. So I feel like it's going to get like a whole other set of viewers who might not, you know, have watched, you know, especially if they have a sketch with them both, which I don't know why they would, but if they do, if Taylor wants to do some acting, um, then, then I, I'm just thinking of all the, the people who have absolutely no interest in Phoebe Waller-Bridge tuning in to, for Taylor Swift and then just ending up watching Fleabag and just going down like a a K-hole of awesomeness. So, yeah, (laughs) that could be pretty cool. So we'll see if that's a good one. David Harbour is going to host on October 12th uh, with Camila Cabello. So that's pretty cool as well. There's some other cool people hosting, but I just saw it. I was like, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is going to be on SNL. I really am trying to de-psych myself because it'll probably just be fine. And I want it to be amazing. Yeah, no, it'll probably be fine, but it, it, I will definitely watch that Sunday or Monday on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much, which is how all of us, most of us watch SNL at this point. Um, this week, we're going to have our fall 2019 network TV preview, where we're going to talk about the new shows coming to the main networks. We'll have just a few thoughts on some cable 
shows as well. But mostly we're going to focus on on the the upcoming new, not returning network TV show. So that's at the end of the, of the podcast. But first we have our week in TV, and you know we had to lead into it with Miss Patty LaBelle um, for reasons we'll get to in our week in TV. So enjoy, and we'll be right back with our week in TV. That was Miss Patty, and uh, more on that in a moment. This week in TV, we're going to talk, well, I should say, Noel's going to talk about Queen Sugar. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Terror Infamy Gaman. I think I pronounced that wrong. Um, I think it's Gaman. Then a little bit about the uh, Leah Remini Scientology in the Aftermath series finale, Waiting for Justice. Noel has some thoughts on Good Eats The Return, which is the season 15 premiere of Good Eats on Food Network. Uh, They had American Classics 10, Chicken Parm, and Every Grain Old is New Again. Then a few thoughts on Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj, uh, The Real Cost of Cruises, and we'll round things out with a Black Lady sketch show, Where Are My Background Singers? And that's hence Miss Patty. Which got renewed for a season two, by the way. Oh, it did. Just remember. Oh, yay. It did. I didn't hear yeah. that. Black Lady Sketch Show got renewed for season two. About so. damn time a Robin Thede show gets renewed for season two. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, I did not get to Queen Sugar this week because I was watching pilots um, for our TV preview. So I'm behind on this one. What did you think? Is this the penultimate? Is it a 12 episode season? Is it like a 15? Do we know? I don't know, and I meant to look it up before we came on, um, but this definitely has the air of leading into a finale of some kind, or a break mm-hmm. at least, um, as the main thrust of this entire episode is that everyone gets separated um, due to a big storm that comes through uh, St. Joe, and everyone gets sort of stranded in different locations to deal with whatever particular plot bugaboo is sort of of circulating. So Charlie has to deal with Jacob, um, who's running against her in the city council race, and they have a discussion about white male mediocrity and Jacob just generally being terrible but not wanting to be terrible, And but Jacob not doing anything about not being terrible. (laughs) Um, So they have a discussion about that. Nova uh, hangs out with uh, her former beau that she's uh, hooked back up with, and they navigate re their relationship reemerging to even the degree to which he is actually moving back to New Orleans and wants her to move there with him. Um, Micah and Micah goes to prom, except they don't get to go to prom because of the weather. So they are all in the hotel room that they're hanging out in. And first of all, everyone, all of them look amazing 
in their mm-hmm. prom gear. Micah's prom suit is just perfect. It's real good. Um, <laughs> but there's a really good discussion about what they're going to do for their futures. And Micah isn't sure. And it's a really nice sort of juxtaposition against how we've sort of, how the show has presented Micah and more specifically how people talk to Micah about himself, about being this world traveler, about being this activist, et cetera, et cetera. And Micah being like, yeah, I don't know. I guess we're in a hedge fund, probably. I'm being really realistic about what I'm thinking is going to happen to me. As opposed to his colleagues who all, his colleagues, his cohorts, who all have these really grand societal changing ideas of exactly what you would expect from kids in high school. Whereas Micah seems to think that he has a better beat on what's actually going to happen to him, at least. Um, And he kind of brings down the party a little bit. (laughs) Um, uh, Blue and Darla and um, Erica Tazel sort of have like a series of conversations um, and then Vi and Hollywood also just have a nice affirming sort of like time together, which is very nice to see. Um, but all of it feels like moving things into a space for a finale. So I think it's a generally good episode, but it is also a generally kind of choppy episode as a, as a result of serving so many different plot points and character beats over the course of the hour. Um, so it's good, but it's also a real, all right, we're going to set up a bunch of other things or push things really quickly that we haven't really had time to do a lot with because Nova, um, so that episode, this episode sort of feels like a squish, a casserole sort of deal of plot points and it's good, but it's also was something that I was dipping in and out of as a result of the structure. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, well, I will get caught up for next week. Um, and I did get caught up this week on the Terry Infamy. Uh, Gaman is the uh, the title, and it's, it means persevere. And so that, you know, last week, like you said, it was another very table-setting kind of uh, setup episode. And this week, it's more of the same, but mm. there's, a, there's a definite uptick in the spookiness. Okay. Um, Yuko gets m- more to do okay. um and and i really think the um i mean i i think i can see what they're doing with that like character or like bo- boogeyman bad guy whatever um but i mean there's definitely like some sort of secret that we're going to find out about towards the end yes um but um i think it just really highlights how how much more difficult it is to make a monster or a villain like this threatening or scary when they are so much more visible. It's the Jaws thing, right? Right. Where not seeing the monster makes the monster way scarier than if the monster's just, like, staring at you uh, creepily out of out of a window. Especially because then she blinks. There's this one scene where it's, like, just staring at one of the characters, but then it blinks. And it's not like... So it's not even, like, the dead stare thing. And I was like, maybe that's supposed to be more disconcerting because it's more patient. I don't know. It's more, like, earthly if if the you leave the blinks in then mm-hmm. if they're just staring you know unendingly but yeah there's uh, i i'm certainly intrigued by what's going on and and her connection to some of the the men of uh uh, of the island, um, we get certainly the characters moved around to get them to the the concentration camp and the like to get everybody in the same place in Oregon. Um, and 
I, I still like I'm I'm still interested in the show and some of the characters. I still don't care about Chester at all, which is a, such a problem. And um, I'm a little bit more invested in Luce, I think, though I do think they mishandled that. Uh, but the some of the stuff with especially with Chester's dad is really compelling. Some of the stuff with the some of like the side characters is interesting. And uh, I, th- I think they they're not committing enough to how much Chester and some of these other these other characters believe in the superstition because at first it seems like Chester's making decisions based on the fact that he believes this stuff and he thinks something's after him, and then it's completely mundane and it's not that's not factoring in, into it at all. So like it goes back and forth and not in a way that feels like he doesn't want to admit that he's worried about these more. Uh, like spiritual elements, or, or you know, par- you know, and from the perspectives of some people who don't believe, like more paranoid or or, or uh, superstitious beliefs, it doesn't play like that. It plays more like it's just kind of uh, fractured and not cohesive, and that's not helping. Um, also, more to K, please, because <laughs> he's he's very good when they give him stuff. But um, there the way that the episode ends uh, with a like a a sort of a progression progression of the roles in the in the camp, I think is very promising, and there is at least one straight up horror creep show moment so not the specific like show creep show but it's just like creepy thing there's there's some straight up horror in this episode and um yeah i like if what appears to be the focus towards the end of the episode is going to be a, a through line that promises to be very uh interesting and uh have a lot of potential for stakes and sort of pushing the narrative for the next few episodes. So uh, that's about all I can say to dance around it until you have a chance to see it. So I will leave it there unless you have any questions. Um, not particularly. Um, no, I think you're correct in the sense that there's definitely going to be something in regards to the men in the camp, but also particularly Chester based on how the second episode ends with, um, James Saito's character telling Chester very specifically Chester to run away. And it's like, Oh, well, Chester's the key to all this. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like, does Chester actually believe that he is causing this or that some bad luck is following him mm-hmm. or is he, does he need to run away to escape it? Or like what exactly is, you know, that's not, that's not all very clear. So hopefully, um, We'll see. Uh, next up is the series finale of Leah Remini, Scientology and the Aftermath. Um, this is Waiting for Justice. And this was a like a two-hour episode that was sort of like – because I think they weren't anticipating the show being canceled or, or ending um, the way that it did. And so they did a one-hour – basically, it's like they took the unaired episode that they had made surrounding the allegations uh, of, of rape against Danny Masterson and cover-up by the by, by Scientology and kind of put that inside of a larger episode, like a kind of looking back episode where they brought in all of the people who have contributed to the show over the three seasons and they talked about some different things and um, – and, and, so and and sort of it was like almost like a forum or it almost felt like like a talk show kind of thing. It was a little unusual, but um, 
I thought that if you're going to throw together a series finale, they did pretty well with not a lot. I mean, I'm guessing it was not with a lot of notice because uh, just the whole thing. It, they announced it got it was announced that the show was going to have a series finale and they'd be airing this like one off special, just sort of out of the blue. Or at least that's how it felt as a viewer. Um, so if it if that was the case, I thought they did a pretty good job to kind of tie up what this show has been on Annie uh, pretty well. The um, the stuff around the Masterson rape allegations, I thought the the interviews that we got were good. Um, I would have liked, especially with the story coming coming out that that these these people have sued. Um, I think it's sued or brought to to court Masterson and Scientology on stalking and other elements too. Which is like when I heard that, I was like, oh, how has nobody ever brought? Scientology to court for stalking them because there's so much evidence of that. Like, there's a lot of evidence of that. And maybe it's because it's different individuals, but they're all driven, you know, they're all connected through science. Like, that seems like such an obvious thing. How did nobody ever do that before? I would have liked more exploration of that side of it. I, I mean, but, but again, I don't know when it was, this was all filmed. Um, but I certainly, even if this is not, was not some sort of like really cathartic, powerful, emotional, uh, satisfying finale. I thought it was a solid episode. It was it was fine, perfectly fine. A, a good way to to send off if you don't have a lot of notice, and it's sort of fitting to bring kind of things full circle a little bit with guests that have come on the show, you know, over the course of several seasons and kind of look back at at the difference, um, like where the public relationship with Scientology was, you know a while back and where it is now and how things are progressing and how, you know, in some ways they aren't. Um, so, so yeah, I thought it was a solid way to, to kind of cap the show and we'll see if it pops back up somewhere else. But I did want to check in with it since I, it has been pretty regular viewing for me when it's been on. Mm-hmm. Um, also very regular viewing for me when it was on was good eats. Um, I did not watch 14 seasons of it, but I watched a lot of it in right. college because I did not have cable until college. Um, so, uh, to, or not in a meaningful way, at least, um, talk to me about good eats, the return. We had American classics, 10 chicken parm and every grain old is new again. Right. So a lot of the aesthetics for this kind of come over from Good Eats Reloaded, which very much seemed in hindsight as a proof of concept that we can do Good Eats again and here's how we're going to do it. Um, And so a lot of the aesthetics that they sort of experimented with, particularly in the later run of Good Eats, um, but really ramp up here, like him talking into a mirror, basically, when they're doing uh, stuff cooking at the counter, uh, gets really uh, fleshed out here. And then that is sort of like the big shift, really. Uh, but the rest of it's basically good eats. Um, the grain episode has him talking to various people associated with grains, including um, Ponce de Leon, Thomas Jefferson, um, and in a grocery store, naturally. Um, mm-hmm, of course. Right. And then, like, them cropping up in certain places across the rest of the episode as he's cooking various things. He makes a cheesy uh, broccoli quinoa casserole that is looks and looks delicious, but it's also cheesy broccoli quinoa casserole, so it is delicious. Um, so that kind of thing. Um, the chicken parm episode is also really solid, um, but also nothing particularly revelatory. Yes, Alton, no. I know that you should 
bread your chicken with potato chips. It helps a lot. I I knew <laughs> that, but thank you for letting me know and trying to convince me that it's a good idea. I was just like, no, I knew it was a good idea, Alton. Um, <laughs> but one of the things I will say is that that's kind of delightful is a sense of continuity um, that the show has always generally sort of excelled at. Um, it continues here, like um, his um, his gadget lady uh, W, right? Sorry, I don't remember. It's been too long. Yeah, no, it's okay. Well, her his his um, his gadget lady is now working at a call center selling um, food implements, um, <laughs> which is the and then so that was like an amusing little thing. Um, they have a bit where the FDA shows up to correct him on things that have changed since the last time he was on the air. Um, and then this carries over again uh, with um, the, I want to say it's the Canadian version of the FDA, um, also comes on and explains, no, we've changed how we grade maple syrup now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it goes into all of that kind of stuff. So it gets it has that same degree of nerdy wonkiness, but also let's put on a sketch sort of uh, mentality to recipes and to cooking and that kind of thing. So it's everything you liked about Good Eats is still here. Um, the only thing that's different, really, honestly, the only thing that's really legitimately different is that Alton Brown has significantly less hair. And by significantly less hair, I mean no hair. Um, but it's still really good. It's still really funny. Um, I'm really curious about how they're going to do really adjust for food culture and f- more more than anything, food recipes shifting a lot in the time that Good Eats has been off the air from how we get our recipes um, through either cookbooks or through television shows to the gazillion of different blogs and websites that provide all sorts of kinds of recipes, which is something that they acknowledge in the grain episode where they do uh, chia as one of the grains. And he talks about how, no, you can find a way to do a chia smoothly. There's 8 billion different recipes for those on the interwebs. Here's how you do a really good chocolate pudding, however, with chia. And so that that was a really nice sort of acknowledgement, but it also means that things like his tip about the potato chips is like, no, we know, Alton. We know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how that shifts um, as this uh, return revival uh, continues, as it is something that I will continue to watch. Okay. Because yeah, it's fun. That's- yeah, it really, though, that's a good point. It really shows how much the landscape has changed since this was first on the air. And, yes. you know, in much earlier days of, of widespread net, like, internet consumption for their viewers. So it, it it's a very different, uh, yeah, some of the things that worked so great, you know, with the original show are still completely effective and are, you know, they're going to be able to just pick right up with those. But others, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, others are going to take more creativity. Yeah. Yeah. What about our uh, next episode here, Patriot Act with House Minaj? Cruises. Have you ever gone on a cruise? I've never been on a cruise. So it's been kind of a one-two punch for me with Patriot Act because last week we talked about public transit, and I love public transit. Uh, this week is about cruises, and to answer your question, no, I've never been on a cruise because no. Why? No. <laughs> um, I don't like the entire concept of cruises. They're float 
they're floating prisons. And so why, why would you do that? Why would you put yourself through that? Why would you do that? Um, and so my largest like sort of objection is the fact that I just don't want to get sick on a cruise because that sounds miserable. And the likelihood of becoming sick on a cruise just seems exorbitantly high when you have that large amount of people packed into one space and all sharing the same buffet line. It's just like, no, (laughs) no, that's no, there are small children here that are just putting things in mouths and then wiping things everywhere. No. Um, So that's always been sort of my like main reason of being against cruises. This, this episode is, is just gives me a whole wad of fresh ammunition from the fact that cruises are really terrible for the environment. Cruises are really shady businesses, both on a legal level of where they are stationed. Um, mm. we're, we're a major conglomerate uh, that's headquarters is in Florida, but all our boats sail out of Panama and thus are subject to Panamanian law. That's not okay. Um... <laughs> And so all that kind of stuff, plus all the really terrible label, labor practices that are also built into cruises of people that work on cruises end up working like 24-hour days sometimes. Um, so all these various sorts of things. And so they explore that really quickly and poke fun at the fact that plenty of types of crimes committed once you're in international waters get really complicated. Um in terms of, yes, no, um, if you're beaten up or m- murdered or assaulted in some sort of way, the way in which that is litigated is through whatever port of call, basically, that ship is technically registered in, which is not great, <laughs> depending yeah. on what's happened to you. Um so there's that element of it that they explore um, both really seriously, but also very silly with a great deal of humor at the end, basically saying, if you're going to be attacked, make sure it looks suspicious enough to warrant something from the authorities. Um, and so it's just like, oh, this is all, these are all even better reasons for me to never go on a cruise, which is what I told my partner after I watched the episode, because my partner has always wanted, I think, I don't remember if she has done a cruise or just wants to do like a cruise. And I've always been like, I will do a riverboat cruise because that's nothing but old people who watch PBS. And those are my people. (laughs) (laughs) I won't do like a big cruise ship type of thing Mm -hmm. um, just because all the objections I've previously provided. So this episode just kind of hit me in a real good sweet spot of, yeah, no, cruises are terrible. Why do we do these? Okay. So, well, yeah. I, I'm certainly interested now. My curiosity is peaked. I will go watch that one after we're done recording here. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, next up is a Black Lady Sketch Show, and that was, of course, our inspiration for listening to On My Own, um, which is by the by this Patty LaBelle. Let's start with Patty LaBelle. Best sketch? One of the best sketches of the season, I think. Definitely the best sketch of this episode. Okay. I, I do think it's the best best sketch of this episode, but... The opening sketch is also really, really good. And I, I, it's not quite as funny because the joke doesn't carry for the entire run compared to the opening where the entire joke is the twist at the end, which I just adored so much. But yes, no, the Patty LaBelle thing is really, really funny. And the way that it just carries on and how it's present in terms of everyone is aware of what is happening. It's not just 
something that's happening in um, Ashley uh, Nicole Black's head, basically. No, it's Patti LaBelle and her background singers are physically manifesting so everyone in that room can see them. And it's just, it's really good. It's really funny. It's very silly. And I'm very much with Ashley Nicole Black and the fact that they wrote this and then they got Patti LaBelle to do this. And then they filmed it, and she got to spend the whole day working with Patty LaBelle. <laughs> and how just yeah. basically she's like, I should just retire now mm-hmm. um, on her social media because it's like nothing is going to be better than this. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's super fun. The like And the reaction of the ex, like is what really sells it yes. when he's like, oh, I think we should get back together. And she's like, no, you, because he, he wants to get back together and then he can break up with her again. And then Patty LaBelle show back up and he can get another selfie. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrific. I just, just like, dude, if Patty LaBelle showed up every time I got dumped, I would start relationships just to get dumped so that I could hang out with Patty LaBelle, <laughs> so, which is delightful. And the, um, the, the, just the, the timing of it, I think works really well. The, um, the the escalation of the music and then the backup singers it all just yeah it's paced very well i thought and was was super fun i also did really enjoy just like the delivery in the first sketch of just uno <laughs> which is and then now they all have to watch glee um very very well done again well paced well timed very good uh, did any of the other sketches stand out to you um, the Satchel Page sketch stands out in a really negative way, um, in that it doesn't go on very long. Uh, no, sorry, it goes on way too long. It's not particularly funny. Um, and aside from the thirst trap joke, which I think is legitimately some of the, which is like a really good bit of prop comedy. Um, but it just goes on too long. There's like a weird sense of anachronisms in it that don't enhance the sketch in any way, shape or form. Even as I say that the thirst trap is a really good joke in this, the rest of them are not. Um, and so it just, it feels really weird and it also just goes on way too long. Um, so that one didn't really work for me. Um, I did like the Rome and Julissa um, sketch um, and just how that played out until it was like, once you realize what's happening, it's just like, oh, this is very delightful. And then how they do the suicide yeah, um, is also just really, really good. Um, I can't wait. listeners if if you haven't seen that, that's air quotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, suicide air quotes. Yeah, um, and I kept waiting for someone to yell "banish it," and no one uh-huh. did. So it goes down just a notch. Yeah, that would have been like I mean, I feel like the DJ, you know, which is your I guess your Mercutio stand-in though. Yeah, like a pretty sad Mer- Mercutio is usually my favorite character. Yes, he's everyone's favorite character in that play because everyone in that play is awful. Yeah, yeah. it's not it's not a lot of competition there. It's yeah. like Fry Lawrence Mercutio, um, but uh, the nurse I like the nurse. The too. nurse is I was about to follow up, but the nurse is generally pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked the I liked the the social page sketch more than you did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I don't disagree. It goes kind of long. Um, the the tough on drugs one, I thought again that was another one where I didn't didn't think it really landed. Oh, see, I uh, thought it landed so well. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I did like I liked the freaking out about. I was walking down the street about if someone's checking you out and then realizing like that whole internal, like mm-hmm. inside out moment. And then it's just, no, you're 
your your skirt is stuck in your in your underwear or whatever it was. Yeah, that was a really perfectly captured kind of bit of cringe humor. Yeah, it was. I, I enjoyed that one as well, and I thought it was also really well cast in terms of who played what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let me see. The it, yeah, it, it, we're almost done with the season, and I'm yes. gonna I'm gonna miss this one. It's you know it feels like it's just getting started. So I'm glad that they're be, they'll be back for season two. Do you have any other uh, anything other n- comments on this one or, or the rest of your weekend TV? And if not, what wins your weekend TV? Uh, Black Lady Sketch Show wins my weekend TV in terms of new stuff. Um, though I have also spent a lot of this week watching Mob Psycho 100 season two, which is mm-hmm. an anime that aired earlier this year in the winter set. Um, season and it is also pretty darn good. Um, but I'm about halfway through that. That's been really good. But for what aired this week, Black Black Lady Sketch Show wins my week in TV. What about you? Yeah, I guess I have to give it to Black Lady Sketch Show as well. I, I mean, I probably had more fun watching some some uh, YouTube K holes have fallen down this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but um. And and certainly, you know, I'll, I'll have thoughts on Great British Baking Show next week, which aired as we record today. But um, yeah, I also watched a bunch of Mindhunter, but we'll talk about that in, in a couple weeks. So for of these, I'll give it to Black Lady Sketch Show. Uh, now we'll take a break and come back with our fall 2019 network TV preview. Televerse, this is Kate Kalsuk, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick, and it's time for our 2019 Fall TV Preview, Fall Network TV Preview, we should say. Um, so we're going to go through the main networks one at a time and just talk about their different shows and then say when they're premiering, what day, what time, what date, all that good stuff. So let's kick things off with CBS. Um, I do not have CBS screeners, so I have not seen any of these. I'm only vaguely aware of some of them and will probably check out a couple unless you have uh, specific uh, recommendations for me. So, Noel, have you seen any of these? Yeah, so I have seen all the CBS uh, fall pilots. Okay. Um, so I can tell you about all of them. of them. Two of them are worth checking out. The other three are not. Um, so let's go ahead and dive in. So, um, premiering Monday at 8.30 on September 23rd is Bob Hart's Abishola, which features, um, Billy Gardell from Mike and Molly, as well as Falake Olawofoyoki, Foyoku, Foyoku, um, who plays Abishola. 
Um, this is a Chuck Lorre series, and it very much feels like a Chuck Lorre pilot in that it is not particularly good. Most Chuck Lorre pilots are actually kind of not great. Like, if you've seen the Big Bang Theory pilot, either of them, both the original one and then the one that they actually aired, neither of them are particularly good. Um, but this one isn't particularly good either. Um, the premise of the show is basically that Gordell... Um, plays Bob, a guy who runs a really competitive and generally well-off sock company, which is delightful, uh-huh. um, has a heart attack due to the stress of his job, and Abby Chola is his nurse that kind of helps him recover over the, like the first half of the episode from his cardiac event. And he gets a little sweet on her um, through, the, through that process. So very kind of stale kind of premise. Um, and it veers really quickly into sort of stalking-ish, like sitcom polite stalking. Oh, isn't that so romantic? No, it's basically like he shows up at her work with a collection of socks for her because he sees her socks, and while he's in the hospital, goes, "Those are terrible socks." And here's why. Let me give you some. I'll make sure that you get some of mine, which is fine. I think yeah. that's just that's standard. Yeah. Bu- that's standard business owner nonsense in any sort of setting. Well, and thank um, you gift and yes, like right. And and you know he was at the hospital, so like it's not like he stalked her and took went to some place that she, that he had not previously been. You know, right? You say that, and then when he goes to the hospital oh, no. to what call it oh, no. to give her the socks. She is not there, so he bribes one of the other nurses to get her home address and shows up at her apartment, where she lives with her son and her parents. Um, no, and very bad. And then gives her the socks there, and then, at the end of the episode, is at her bus stop. Um, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the overall premise is not good. Um, but there's some decently pointed stuff about immigration and p- particularly about labor practices um, that the company has um, insofar as they acknowledge the fact that th- that as a company, they pretend not to be aware of bad labor practices overseas because they hire contract companies to do that. This is a joke in the episode. So there's that kind of degree of self-awareness of the fact that they outsource all of their product um and also have that outsource handled by a third party company. Um so there's that element that gets played out but then there's also um what you call it expectations for her Abby's Abby Shola's son uh, and how he's navigating being in the US and that kind of a thing. Um so it's not particularly funny. Um but also it is something that could maybe develop into something but Based on the pilot, I'm not particularly interested in seeing what it develops into, in part because I've never found um, Gardell to be a particularly watchable actor. Um, I just don't think he's very funny. Uh, And I've always kind of struggled with him um, in that capacity. Uh, So I'm not super interested in watching this, even though it does also have like a really good rest of the cast, including like Christine Ebersol is in it as his mom. Um, The guy who played Badger on... um, Breaking Bad is in it as his son, so there's some good there's some good people in here, but it's also like eh, maybe maybe not. Okay. Um. So do you have any questions about this one? No, because I'm not interested in watching this stalking is romantic or sweet or fun show. Yeah. No, so. that's that's super fair, and I think that's that's the correct choice. 
Um, so All Rise is their um, drama, their big drama release for the fall, CBS's big drama release. This airs Monday at 9 p.m. on 920 on September 23rd. And that they're slotting this drama into the 9 p.m. slot on a Monday, I think is interesting. Um, so this is a really kind of throwback sort of um, drama in a lot of ways in that while the promos have been really playing up Simone Messick, who we both know and love from Luke Cage, she played Misty Knight, um, plays newly installed Judge Lola Car- Car- Carmichael after being, um, I think, in the defense in uh, as a defense attorney, but now as a judge, which is a little, I think, a little rare. But I honestly don't know how that works. Um, and so. Everyone kind of weaves in and out through the courtroom. So we've got a defense attorney. We've got a couple of folks in the district attorney's office. We've got court reporters. Um, we've got uh, the judge assistants and all the politics that basically kind of go into that workplace. It's very much a workplace drama that happens to take place in a major courtroom. Um, I think in Los Angeles. Yeah, in Los Angeles. Um, so... I think this is perfectly fine. There's some decent humor bits in it. Um, Wilson Bethel, who played um, Bullseye in Daredevil Season 3, is in this, so this show has become a refuge <laughs> um, for people from cancelled Marvel Netflix television shows. Um, but Marg um, Hellenberger is also here as sort of like the most senior judge on the bench. Um, but yeah, it's all very fine. It really recalls, like, David E. Kelly-type stuff. Um, slightly more in the Alan McBeal than in the practice um, vein, but still very much in an aspirational this-is-what-the-justice-system-can-and-should-be sort of um, sort of approach to things. So this is fine, I think. It's very much in the CBS wheelhouse. It's nothing that's going to set the world on fire. Um, and it may not be anything that even tackles t- subjects um, in particularly compelling ways, at least based on this pilot. Um, but it is still very much driven in a our justice system can and should be better sort of thing. And maybe this will make you feel better about it kind of an idea. So that's kind of what All Rise is. Um, okay. Yeah. That sounds perfectly forgettable. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> move right along. What about right. the unicorn? What is this? Right. So the unicorn um, premieres on September twenty sixth at Thursday, which is a Thursday at eight thirty. So this is the Walton Goggins single camp sitcom. Ah, yeah, I've seen. Yeah, because I, I saw a, a sitcom with Walton Goggins. And I went ah, and I saw uh, CBS. And I went oh. Right. So don't let the CBS of it ruin things for you because. Okay. First of all, it's kind of important to remember that CBS's single cam sitcoms are not bad. Like, I haven't watched that multi-generational family single cam sitcom that's got, like, Colin Hanks and a number of other folks on it since it started. But it wasn't a bad show. It just wasn't a show that I found particularly enjoyable. Um, But The Unicorn is sort of just really good. It's really funny. Um, and to like kind of drive that home for you, Rob Corddry is in this, uh, Michaela Watkins is in this, Omar Benson Miller is in this. Um, so it's, it's Wells cast top to bottom, basically. And it deals with Walton Goggins being a widower, um, who has two daughters. His wife passed away a year ago and his friends are basically like, it's time for you to start dating again. Get out there. Get out there. Yeah. 
And also, in what's one of the best lines of everything I've watched, and this is in the rundown document that Kate has access to, is that someone says that Walton Goggins' character's house looks like the Disney Channel version of Grey Gardens, which is... <laughs> really perfect <laughs> kind of description yeah. for what that house kind of looks like. And it's really, really good. Walton Goggins is very funny in it. And any show that kind of positions Walton Goggins as a Delph, a dad I'd like to follow, um, I think is really kind of charming as well, since Goggins is like, people have never told me I'm attractive. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's playing someone who is literally catnip to a number of women. And I find that both kind of fun from like a star studies perspective, mm-hmm. but also from a Goggins is delightfully awkward in this in a way that I've never seen him play before. And so there's that kind of freshness to him being in a sitcom that really carries the pilot in a lot of ways. But generally, I think it's really funny. I think there's a lot of room to grow. Again, the cast is really good. Both of the girls cast as the daughters are really, really good. Um, there's very standard... All right, well, dating app type of humor mm-hmm. that is in the pilot, but I'm glad it's in the pilot because it means we don't have to deal with it anymore. Um, so I I feel very optimistic about this. And of the pilots that I watched, this and one of the other pilots from CBS are probably the two best pilots that I watched. So I'm eager to watch more of The Unicorn. Okay, well, now I'm intrigued because the next show looks terrible. Which yes. means the other good pilot needs to must be the other one that we're going to talk about, which I assumed was going to be bad despite a great cast. So I'm I'm yeah. very I'm very invested. So the next show we have here is Carol's Second Act, also Thursdays at nine thirty on CBS, um, premiering September twenty sixth. Uh, this looks bad despite Patricia Heaton being very good at her job. Yes, and that is basically what this is: is Patricia Heaton is very good at her job, as is. Kyle MacLachlan, who is in this as well, um, and he's f***ing delightful in this. Um, and it also has um, Ashley Tisdale, who I generally tend to like, but has one scene in this and doesn't get to do anything really in it. Um, Carol Second Act deals with a high school science teacher who, after she retires from high school, decides to become a doctor. And she is now a intern resident whatever the first season of Scrubs was. Um, And is that with a cohort of three other doctors in this hospital? And she's just very over eager. She's very excited to be here, but she also has all the weight of experience of being much older than even her attending resident, which is a little weird, but okay, we'll roll with it um, because we need the generational humor type stuff to happen here. Um, but it's not particularly funny. Patricia Heaton can do and does seem to be doing all of this in her sleep in no small part because with the exception of Kyle McLaughlin, no one is giving her anything to play off of. Um, the rest of the cast is just really kind of flat and that's really frustrating and it makes the pilot feel very, very long. But there's also like weird sorts of generational humor that you would expect from this general premise. But then there's stuff that is independent of... Heaton's character being older than everyone else and just the show sort of aiming for isn't it funny that this guy introduces himself with his pronouns even though his pronouns are just he him and that gets a chuckle from the audience because he says it and it's like "Mm, that's not great and they play it up as he is sort of like trying very hard to be woke 
And that's that carries through. That's a carrying thread in the pilot is that he's just trying super hard to be woke because it turns out he's very, very rich. Um, and it's like, oh, this is all really trite and tired and I don't want to watch any more of it. And so I'm not. <laughs> Fair enough. OK, uh, what's our final good pilot then for CBS? Right. So our final good pilot is evil. OK, this um, looks so bad. Right, and here's the thing. Um, so this premieres on September 26th at 10 p.m. on Thursday. This is from Robert and Michelle King. Um, it is their horror slash demon slash miracle show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got Mike Coulter. It's got Katia Urbiz, Michael Emerson, Asad Bonvid. Really, really good cast. And it deals with... Um, Urbiz plays a psychologist um, who evaluates people whether or not they're fit for trial basically and then gets roped in to um investigate whether or not one of her potential folks that she says is able to stand trial or not is actually possessed and so the if you've watched the trailer for the show the trailer really plays up horror aspects of it what is really interesting is that they don't play up the actual horror aspects of this episode which is really delightful there's actually legitimate some horror stuff in there but it's all refracted in a very King sort of sensibility of general weirdness um, in that it is both kind of scary if you're someone who has or has had night terrors as I have. So the pilot kind of hit me in a different way than it may hit other people. Um, I'm someone who is in his 30s and has night terrors, which is relatively rare. Uh, night terrors typically occur when you are a child. Um, for, for those who don't know, they're fucking yeah. horrible. Yeah, no, they're really unbearable. Like, um, sidebar, um, I had one two December, not last December, but December before last, um, after my partner and I had first started, like, going out and I was sleeping over at her place and I had one that catapulted me out of her bed and she had to basically hold me for, like, ten minutes until I kind of came out of it. Um, that's kind of how, um, not great it was. The fact that there's a night ter- two night terror sequences in this pilot kind of hit me in a different way. They're probably going to hit a number of other people, and that's perfectly fine. They kind of scared me and unsettled me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, this is all refracted through their weird sensibilities. So if you like Brain Dead and you miss Brain Dead, then Evil is probably a show for you. Which is, if you don't remember the King's alien termite politics show (laughs) this is their demons are real and our influence are taking advantage of our fractured political discourse to gain power show that is actually what this premise is of yeah we're doing a horror show but demons are taking advantage of us because of our fractured political ecosystem right now and so basically it's good fight it's brain dead but demons are real um (laughs) There's so much potential for this show that I'm really eager to see more of it. I really like the cast. I do think the pilot's pretty solid. Um, And they've also acknowledged they're not going to do like a Demon of the Week sort of thing. Like the second episode, they they said the Television Critics Association junket is going to be about the validity of miracles. So they're covering like a they're covering a gamut of religious experience, at least in broad broadcast network acceptable sort of approaches 
But I'm really eager to see what they do with their actual premise of demons are real. They're taking advantage of how things work and humans are helping them. And so how, how does all this play out? And so I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with it. Um, this of the, um, of the pilots I've watched, um, this is probably the one that I'm most interested in seeing grow. Um, because the unicorn to me feels kind of fully formed, but this one, the pilot feels more like a proof of concept than necessarily the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's, I'm intrigued. That's very interesting. So, I mean, and and also the Kings do many things in their shows, but they tend to pretty much always hit is they're almost always fun yes to watch. and i do think that this is fun to watch particularly again weirdly the horror the the actual two horror segments are legitimately kind of fun to watch yeah so so like even if this ends up not being a show for you listener you're probably gonna have fun with what you watch even if yeah. you don't decide to tune back in so yeah it seems like a show worth checking out over on abc we've got three pilots new new shows i have not seen any of these have you seen any of these uh, I have not. I know what one person has told me about Stumptown, um, uh-huh. but th- I don't know. I d- haven't watched any of these, so okay. I only know one person's opinion of Stumptown. Okay, so Mixed Dish is going to be on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. It's premiering on September 24th, and this is another Blackish spinoff. This is about uh, Rainbow when she was a kid, growing up in, in the 80s, and of course her family's mixed race. And so it, I guess it sounds like it's sort of the action is kicked off when they uh, leave the hippie commune, or they are kicked like the the hippie commune is like shut down, I think in like 85 or something. And so then they go into the suburbs, and so it's, are they going to keep to their hippie commune ways or assimilate more. Um, so it's, it's just going to be a family kind of sitcom comedy. I'm not all that interested in this just because I don't feel like blackish has been on a good trajectory recently. So I don't know why I would add another one, but there's no reason. I mean, I'm I'm not familiar with who the showrunners are, so could be perfectly, perfectly entertaining, but uh, I just, I'm not, feeling like i need to seek it out yeah and i mean apart from mark poor gossler playing a young Bo bridges which i feel like is actually really good that's casting, really good casting yeah um i don't feel compelled to watch this either for the reasons you just mentioned but also because i have grown weary of abc's comedy development in mm-hmm. terms of we're going to do family sitcoms set in x period that yeah. just feels like what they do now. Um, and it's kind of tired at this point. Like, as much as I love, like, Fresh Off the Boat, um, it just, it, I'm just over this sort of an approach to their sitcom slate, which is why Speechless was such a good show. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, like, how I'm sort of approaching this. Of Like, this is very much an ABC's wheelhouse, but... Also, I just, I don't care. Um, And so I just, uh, yeah, Yeah. I'm not interested. I also don't care about Emergence, which is going to be on Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, premiering on September 24th, the same day as Mixed Dish. Um, See, but the thing is, is that this uh, hour-long mysterious drama has Alison Tolman. And and 
Clancy Brown. It, Clancy Brown and Donald Faison. So, and Terry O'Quinn. And Terry O'Quinn is playing the charming, ruthless billionaire uh, who heads the firm, like a tech firm that has a mysterious secret agenda, right? Like, I bet he's so- the devil. Yes, he's very good at that. Um, but so Alison Tolman is a police chief, who to thunk, um, and she's newly divorced from Donald Faison. And they have a kid who's a teenager called Bree. And there's like a plane crash or something. And there's some mysterious child who uh, Tolman takes in and named Piper. And um, so then like weird things start happening. There's like some cryptic symbol thing and it's all like tied into Piper. Um, but I just like, I like this cast a lot. So I will probably check out a couple episodes, but it, it does not look good. No, it does not. And I'm still going to also check out a couple episodes because of this cast. Um, no, again, this feels very much in a ABC drama, high concept wheelhouse of trying right. to be lost and failing. <laughs> Trying to be lost and failing, which like NBC has had a degree of success with with, with Manifest this uh, last year, and um, but Emergence just seems like another attempt at that, and ABC has been trying to do this for a while again. Like um, it's been how many years that they've done like the single word mystery drama, right? Show? Exactly. Yeah. No. Like every year, it feels like every season, or at the very least, every other season, mm-hmm. and so I just. I don't feel compelled by this. I don't feel that the trailers have sold it well. And I'm also just like, no, but I get that Piper's probably her granddaughter. It's okay. Yeah. I figured this out already. Do something else that t- elaborates on the story that makes it more interesting than, yes, we figured out everyone was in purgatory in season one, but then you told really good stories after that. (laughs) (laughs) Our last show for ABC is Stumptown, which is on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern on ABC, premiering September 25th, so the day after these two. And this is starring Colby Smulders as Dex Parlos. Parios? Is it Parios, probably. Parios. Okay, thank you. And this is based on a, a graphic novel or comic series. Um, she is a Marine veteran who works as a PI. She's got a brother who's disabled, who she's helping to support. Um, and she also is massively in debt, so she's trying to, like, you know, hustle and make some money. Um, we also have Jake Johnson in this cast. Uh, Michael Ely, who's always terrific. Cameron Mannheim, I'm guessing, is Michael Ely's boss, because she's playing Lieutenant Michael Ely is the contact at the police department. Um, So here's the thing. I'm pretty sure this is going to be bad, but I'm also pretty sure I'm not really going to care all that much. And I'm definitely going to check out at least a few episodes just because they're all so charming. Like I can watch Colby Smulders in a shitty show for a depressing amount of time. And you did for the tail end of How I Met Your Mother. (laughs) Well, I did not. I actually did check out of How I Met Your Mother, but everyone else who did watch that for all the way through, you know you were watching it. You weren't watching it for Josh Radner. No offense, Josh Radner. Nobody was watching it for Josh Radner. They were watching it for Allison Hannigan. They were watching it for Kobe Smulders. They would be have been watching it for Marshall, except that, you know, he was already checked out. So, yeah, I, that's the thing. Is like I'm pretty sure this isn't going to be good, but I'm also pretty sure I'm going to watch it. So what do you think? 
Yeah, my friend who watched the pilot said the pilot is not good, and I'm worried by then about it, but also plenty of shows about pilots and go on to be pretty solid. Um, I am also going to watch probably a fair chunk of this because of this cast, um, and because I like this this kind of a role for Kobe Smulders in particular, mm-hmm. I feel like is going to really hit a number of really good sweet spots for her. And I also just like this PI sort of thing of like, all right, we've got Rockford, basically. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to watch this. I'm and very Cam- here for a procedural. <laughs> yeah. And I've got Cameron Manheim as probably, like you said, probably as Ely's the boss. The tough-talking cop, right? The tough-talking lieutenant who doesn't have time for these PIs to meddle in the cop affairs where they don't belong. (laughs) I'm just like, I'm so here for Cameron Mannheim to be angry about all of that. Mm -hmm. She's very good at that. Yeah, I'm going to watch. I'm I'm going to watch some of this. Yeah, I'm going to watch more of that than I probably should. Um, I have seen the NBC pilots, and we have three of those this season. Have you seen these? I have seen the two sitcoms. I did not watch their forthcoming drama with Jimmy Smits, which is Bluff City Law that premieres. Monday at 10 o'clock on September 23rd, but you watched it, so why don't you tell me a little bit about it? did, yes. Um, so, Sydney Strait, because um, that's their last name. Um, oh, that's such is a, a bad name. Is oh, a hotshot corporate well. attorney, and she's been working for the big, co- the big corporations, defending them against, like, civil rights lawsuits and stuff. And she goes home when her, her mom dies, and just, like... Just the stupidest scene, letting you know that in the pilot, um, and and ends up mending fences with her father, who is uh, the legendary lawyer Elisha Strait, um, who has a Memphis law firm, and they uh, so so she was working for him. They had some big fight. He was cheating on the mom, um, and so she like left town, left the business, uh, and went to work for the you know big corporations instead now she's coming back they're working a civil rights case can they convince a guy to break off from a class action lawsuit because he's gonna die before it comes to to trial and then like can they win and uh they just care so much about the law and and the little guy and doing what's right and it's just not a good show at all jimmy smith is terrific don't get me wrong and this you know there's plenty of talented people in this cast but it's just i it's not for me. It's it's very much not for me. There's there's like all sorts of there's some secret identities. There's some like ex you know flames or former friends who work at the the attorney at the, at the law firm and you know shaking things up and all this. Yeah, no, it's some people will like it. I just I just I was like tired watching. I was like, oh, I guess I should finish this because I can only see three of these, so I should contribute to the segment but it's but it's, i can tell after about 30 seconds this is probably not not gonna be good jimmy smith deserves such a better show than i mean he can do this in his sleep don't get me wrong but he deserves such a better show than this <sighs> um over on nbc we also have two sitcoms that you have seen so i look forward to your thoughts as well uh perfect harmony is on thursdays at 8 30 p.m it's premiering september 26th and this is the one that i was the most excited about probably of the new shows just because it has stars bradley whitford and is about singing and like a church choir specifically and as someone who sang in my church choir from third to like sixth grade uh at which point i went and uh joined a different music group at my church and played music there every Sunday for the next like 
seven years. Um, I'm very <laughs> familiar with the dynamics that go around church music groups. Um, and so like this, if this was, is done well, it has a lot of potential to be really funny to me. Um, I, the pilot isn't, isn't very good, but it has a very good cast. It so does. That's where I'm at with it. Yeah, no. So the cast includes, like you said, Bradley Whitford. Um, there's Anna Camp, uh, Razan Minij uh, for Schitt's Creek, but also from a number of other shows. The guy appears yeah, Razan Manji, yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah um, he's, he's all over the place, yeah. Yeah, uh, Will Greenberg, who was on Wrecked. Um, John Carroll Lynch is the bad guy, um, or the antagonist that they have to win over. Um, but yeah, this is fine. Like, again, a lot of this is a lot of the pilots from the networks this year that feature generally sort of high profile TV folks are these are all things that they can do in their sleep. And Perfect Harmony is very much a show that a number of these people can do in their sleep. Um, Anna Camp and Whitford in particular are just like, this is definitely something we can kind of just come in and do and get a paycheck. And they kind of do. Um, so Misanthropic Widower. Um, gets... yeah, which is why he's there. He's, it's right. in Kentucky. Yeah. And he doesn't want to be there, but his wife has just died. She wanted to spend her last days in her hometown. So it's, there's a fish out of water element to it. He's a music professor who got kicked out of school because t- uh, students were complaining. I'm certain we'll get more on that later. Yeah, in, no, it was um, Princeton or Stanford, one of the others. Yeah. I can't yeah, remember which Princeton. one. Princeton, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, I don't know that it's super clear that he's been fired. It just, it seems implied that he's been fired because yeah. he kept throwing chairs at people slash people are bad at ducking at chairs now. Um, <laughs> As someone who actually did have a, or a music teacher, uh, or teacher who was at least the, the buzz was that he threw a chair cl- across a room during orchestra one day. Uh, I wasn't in that class period and the teacher was not invited back the next yeah. semester um right. yeah that's not actually a funny thing if yeah. you experience it but right yeah. exactly so i think it's really kind of tired um rushed i think it has a really irritating climax that undermines the entire conceit of the show mm-hmm. which is that this choir needs help and then they don't yeah. Um, Whitford is not a great conductor he does he does all the music speak i think actually really he well does. i think so too very believable, you know, very, like, I, I know this guy, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, I, I have met people like this, um, but when, like, the way, like, all his body, pot, after, like, he's really selling all the minutia of, of this stuff, when he has to conduct, like, his body posture's all wrong, and, like, he's conducting on a two when it should be a three, like, that's the kind of detail that I want you to get right if you're gonna yes. do a, a show about a choir. Yeah. It's not hard to get that right, too. No, and especially when you're wanting to do that, and you're going to, like, show that, because, like, this this pilot ends with where it should maybe have ended in, like, halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in terms of, like, the competition type thing that they go through, and it's just, like, this happens all very, very quickly. Um, so... It might be okay. I won't lie. I'm probably still going to watch some of this because some more of this because I like the cast a great deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not like when I do drop it, I will not feel bad about dropping it. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually exactly how I feel about it too, which is so funny. Yeah. Um, also, poor butterflies. We, we 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 have seen it's not it's never a good idea to do butterflies. That's all we'll say. 
Listeners, you can discover the rest when you watch the pilot. Uh, the last uh, NBC show is Sunnyside, which is uh, also on Thursdays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, premiering September 26th. And this is uh, the Cal Penn sitcom that's happening. And um, I don't – I really don't care for this one. Um, the the It's very, another very talented cast, deep bench cast, the ones people you will recognize and appreciate. But I just – I have zero space in my heart for scummy politicians and they're by making Calpen Calpen is very charismatic and he's good at his job. Um, so I want to cheer and root for him, but I'm so angry at so many politicians right now that this is just, I think the timing of this is not good. Yeah. I think that's kind of the problem is that this was in development when this kind of a thing or Penn came up with the idea of the, for this kind of a thing. Uh, Cause he co-created the show um that it generally works but in a different sort of atmosphere where admittedly he doesn't do anything really terrible as a politician just well was he driving that mm, drunk i don't think he was driving he was definitely he was just walking. on a highway well if he was yeah. walking that drunk i don't have that much of a problem with yeah. it as long as but he, he wasn't also driving. like very much didn't do anything for his constituents either which is also yeah, for really 15 terrible. years yeah um, which we should say that um, the opening video of his campaign thing from what, like twenty oh four, is very twenty oh four on a number mm-hmm. of levels, mm-hmm. and they got that real right down to the political signage. So, in this show, Penn plays a former um, city council member in um, a borough of New York or something um, who called gets, Sunnyside, which is where the title sun- comes from. Right, yeah. who gets ousted basically, and then because he has no income decides to basically do a gig economy in which you can hang out with me, ask me anything for 50 bucks. Um, and what ends up happening is, is that a number of folks who need to patch, pass their citizenship exam, hire him to teach them how to be citizens and how to pass the citizenship exam to which I go, there are places that will help you do this for free. Mm-hmm. Um, people I won't in charge you $50 to, 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 to go to a baseball game. Yeah, exactly. Um, so th- it's also like heavy on um, immigration type storytelling um, and immigrant experience type thing. Um, and I think there's, I, I, I think I was a little more keen on this than you were, but I do also acknowledge that this is not a good pilot for this. Um, and, but it also provided Michael Schur maybe like shows up a lot more to like continue executive produce this show mm-hmm. maybe could grow into something more um yeah we've been led into uh, like we have not been led astray let's just say by michael shore we've been yeah gifted many well gifted uh watched and paid for with our eyes on commercials lots of really good michael shore content right and so provi- if he does more than just work as like an executive producer and just allows Penn and uh the co-creator i think matt murray is the other name. Um, yeah. Then maybe it could develop into something and maybe it will develop into something without him either. Um, but I think that there's still, there's promise here, but it is not a good pilot. Yeah. The other thing I want to mention is that Perfect Harmony and Sunnyside are also both like, I don't want to unnecessarily leave out NBC for their comedies also being basically the same thing over and yeah. over again. Cause both of these Perfect Harmony and Sunnyside are basically AP Bio, mm-hmm. and which were basically, basically community. community. Yeah, and 
it's the same thing. Um, here, an AP bio is living on on a streaming platform, <laughs> which is so weird to me. Um, but it's basically the same thing of disgruntled schlub white guy, I, yeah. except for Sunnyside, where it's disgruntled schlub. Um, Cal Penn, yeah. Cal Penn. Um, Very good at talking, but not yes. actually good with people. Yes, exactly. People who are competent, for the most part, helping other people who are just almost competent or are high school students who are more mature than their teacher. Um, it's all the same sort of development cycle, the same sort of sitcom. And so when you have, when you have the network that does the good place <laughs> and you go, here's two more shows like AP bio. It's like, mm, maybe bigger swings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's going to continue as we head over to Fox. Um, so yeah, first, tell me now, about you, this, Kate. Have you seen these? No, I do not have access to any of the Fox stuff. So okay, neither I, do I. Yeah, but I have strong feelings about their first pilot because their first pilot that we have here is Almost Family, which is Wednesdays at nine p.m. Uh, uh, Eastern, and it's tr- premiering on October second. And the here here's the setup for this show um you have this very famous well-respected fertility doctor played by timothy hutton and in the and and you meet his daughter Brittany snow and they have uh you know they have a somewhat close relationship she helps him at the the clinic i think or something i there's there's some shake-up or drama there she's worried about ever living up to him and then in the pilot you find out that he has impregnated at least a hundred women uh without their consent with his sperm instead of, you know, the sperm they thought was being used to impregnate them and father their children. And so then uh, he gets, you know, gets arrested and goes to jail. And, it, like, at least the the trailers paint it as, like, a, um, like a misunderstood kind of thing from him. And there's, there's like, a bit of, um, oh, poor guy, you know, at least in the tone of the trailer, which, fuck that shit. Um, but the, the show then is about Brittany Snow finding out that she has all of these half siblings, including one of her good friends is, uh, or former friend who there's been some drama there, uh, is actually her half sister. And so now, you know, they have their own family. They're almost family. So they move in together and you've got three sisters ish that have just found out their sisters and who, thought this was a good idea who thought you know let's start with a show let's have our like warm-hearted family drama center on like fertilization of eggs without the consent of the women let's that sounds like that's a great warm-hearted way to start your show um this is executive produced by jason kadams and others um and kadams i expect so much smarter from you um how, Noel, how? Well, the answer to your question is that the Australians did it first. Um, so Okay. Yeah, no, this is based on an Australian television series um, that I think is actually still running. Or, no, sorry, it ran for a season, um, which makes it maybe slightly better. Um, the um, sort of twist on it is, is that, at least in the Australian version the Hutton character dies 
mm-hmm. and its whole thing is a deathbed confession. Ah. Um, in this, I don't know if he's still alive in this because I didn't even watch the trailer for it. Um, but it kind of deals with the same thing of all right, finds out that they have a bunch of half siblings, etc., etc., etc. But it's seven I could episodes. Give the gift of life. Oh, yeah. You. Yeah. So no, it just it sounds bad and it also sounds very much sort of again having not seen the trailer it kind of sounds like very much in the trailer of wanting to do a big this is us esque sort of program um but with that edge of the weird that edge of the unacceptable to it um which is very on brand for fox um (laughs) with that edge of lack of consent and supreme like supreme violation from a figure you should be able to trust which is your doctor right so it doesn't sound good and as much as i love timothy hutton i'm not watching this no no um we also have bless the hearts which is an animated sitcom on the sundays at 8 30 eastern premieres september 29th um and this is a comedy that follows a southern family who the, the like the quote is they're poor in money but they're rich in fun laughter and friends um that sounds terrible to me but but then listen to this voice cast Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph, Jillian Bell, and Ike Barinholtz with recurring Mary Steenburgen and Drew Tarver. All of a sudden, I'm more interested. And then created by Emily Spivey, I'm quite a bit more interested. So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think I'm probably going to watch some of this. Um, and hopefully, I like it. Is kind of how I'm approaching this. Um, yeah. I'm hoping I'm going to like it, but I'm also, it's just going to depend on what the humor is. Mm -hmm. I have a big old nope to our next Fox show, which is called Prodigal Son. It's on Mondays at 9 p.m. Eastern, premiering September 23rd. Um, So the cast, Tom Payne, Michael Sheen, Bellamy Young, Lou Diamond Phillips, Rora Perno, Kiko Agina, Arjena, um, Houston Sage, and Frank Hartz. Good cast, right? Yeah. But here's the thing. Great cast. It is about a profiler. Uh, who criminal profiler who is the son of an infamous serial killer called the surgeon nope just nope i don't need that in my life no no i want to watch this show for that cast but i'm gonna pass i'm gonna pass um now i know you did watch the cw's pilots so what can you tell me about those all right so batwoman sunday at eight o'clock on october 6th um the Batwoman, both of these pilots were not for review, but also they showed both of them at Comic-Con, so I don't know mm-hmm. what you expect me to say. Um, I think the Batwoman pilot is lackluster and borders on the nonsensical in a lot of places, um, and that it does not give any of its cast nearly enough to do. Ruby Rose is sort of coasting through it. There's not a lot of meat here. Um, it's not a good pilot. It's legitimately, I think, the worst Arrowverse pilot um that they've done um it's not interesting it's despite the fact that it's shot in chicago um it doesn't make enough use of that i feel like um but then there's also just really stupid things that happen in the pilot that i don't want to get into um you can watch and make a decision for yourself but it's not particularly interesting the world that is kind of established for this gotham that we got in last season's Arrowverse crossover just kind of carries over here. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's just, it feels really rushed. Um, There's just nothing particularly interesting in it. And more than anything, I think this pilot is, even though he has only directed two of the Arrowverse pilots, 
this is what happens when you don't get David Nutter to direct your pilot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it just, there's there's nothing compelling in this, I feel like. Um, and that's really, really disappointing. So I'm hoping it grows into something. Yeah. But based on this pilot, I have very low expectations. Oh, that's too bad, because I was really hoping that was going to be a good one. Yeah. Um, what about Nancy Drew? I, I thought that the trailers and the ads look so bad. Yeah, and the pilot's also real bad. Um, so this uh, premieres Wednesday at 9 o'clock on October 9th. Um, if you like Riverdale, and then you're going to like Nancy Drew. If you do not like Riverdale, you do not need to watch Nancy Drew. Um, if you like Nancy Drew as, like, a canonical character, this is probably not the show for you. Um, it's very much in a Riverdale aesthetic and mentality in terms of both, um, shooting style, but also in terms of how characters talk to each other and the fact that everyone is hiding a secret. Um... (laughs) Instead of Jughead's portentous uh, narration, we have a V-Mars-esque narration from Nancy. Um, Veronica Mars narration-esque from Nancy, but it's... it's por- it, And the way that Jughead's narrations in Riverdale feel purposefully silly and pulpy and portentous, um, the Nancy Drew narration doesn't feel like it's supposed to be that. And yet it has lines in which Nancy Drew says in the narration, I stopped looking in the darkness when the darkness looked at me. And I just went, no! <laughs> that this is, is not Nancy Drew. It's not Nancy Drew, yeah. but it's their it's their version of Nancy Drew, which yeah. is Riverdale Part 2, as a colleague of mm-hmm. mine over at TV Guide kind of called it when we were discussing this. It's Riverdale Part 2. Um there's nothing particularly good here. Um, there's nothing, any real sort of excitement or bites in it that compel you to watch. Um, there is a veer um, towards a supernatural element, um, which provided this carries over, feels like a nice handover from the original Nancy Drew novels and the original Hardy Boy novels to a lesser extent, where a supernatural element always sometimes circulated in those books, mm-hmm. but was always revealed to be the guy, the gruff lighthouse keeper um, <laughs> in phosphorus sheets. Um, and so there are illusions and potential potentials for that kind of a thing here, um, particularly within that gets explored a little bit in the last like 10 minutes or so. But it's also not scary enough um, to feel justified. Um, so it's not good either. And just makes me go, wow, I really I really wish we had gotten that Sarah Shahi version of Nancy Drew um, mm-hmm. that we were going to get a couple of years ago um, that they couldn't make work. But I also go, this is not the way to make this work either. Um, as much as I know people are really responding to this particular thread of the um, Warner Brothers, DC Comics, Archieverse um, thread between Riverdale, between uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and Nancy Drew. And then we've got um, Katie Keene coming in the mid-season, which is an actual sequel uh, spinoff of Riverdale. Uh, Whereas this, I'm almost positive is not, but might as well have been. The spinoff of Riverdale. Um, but no, this is not good. Okay. Um, that wraps up our network TV preview. Are there any new cable shows coming that you have your eyes like you, you have your eyes on or that you're excited for? Or mostly you're just waiting for shows to come back. 
Um, I'm sort of waiting for shows to come back. I'm, I mean, I will be very upfront with you. My fall is packed because there's a shit ton of anime coming back. Mm-hmm. Now I'm very excited for season three. Is this fall, Kate? <laughs> I know. I know. I'm it's very, very excited. Um, but there's a number of other anime uh, series that are either premiering or coming back in the fall um, that I'm going to watch. There's like five. And I'm just like, oh, man. Um, but I will say that given all the stuff that came out at, uh, D23, I'm really frustrated that I'm going to end up subscribing to Disney plus. Yeah, I know. Um, right? For uh. a multitude of reasons, not the least of which are those, some of those other phase four, um, Marvel, uh, MCU television series, not th- that are just like sound bonkers in a number of ways. Um, but I'm also increasingly interested in The Mandalorian, which is not mm-hmm. something I thought I was going to say, which premieres when Disney Plus drops. Mm-hmm. Um, that's got Pedro Pascal um, as The Mandalorian, who, for those of you who aren't super familiar with Star Wars, Mandalorian is... Um, Mandalore is a planet of warriors, etc., who dress in the armor of Boba Fett. Boba Fett mm-hmm. is a Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um well, technically, he's a clone of a Mandalorian, but whatever. Yeah, the, whatever. Um, so I was not, like, going to always be on board with this, but they keep announcing people in The Mandalorian that I want to watch in a Star War. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, Nick Dolce, Gina Carano, Gina Carlo Esposito, friggin' Ming-Na's gonna be in it. Werner Herzog? Verna Herzog is in it and is Carl Weathers. Just it's just going to be real good, um, yeah. at least on a cast level. Um, but I'm also just curious to see what they do with it, especially since um, Favreau has been pitching this as character driven, and I'm really mm-hmm. curious to see what a character driven Star Wars story that is not animated looks like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take that, movies. Um, so I'm I'm curious about that. Um, what about you? Well, yeah, no, uh, pretty much any non-Narcos Pedro Pascal show I was going to yeah. be interested in. And then Pedro you throw Pascal's in, great. Yeah, you throw in these other actors. I mean, Giancarlo Esposito. I watched Once Upon a Time for him for at least a while. I, I will watch a lot of things. <laughs> or Gina Carano. I keep waiting for her to break through and be a bigger star. And I, hopefully yeah. this will be the thing. Hopefully this is it, yeah. Yeah. Um, that is on November 11th. Tuesday, November 11th is when D- Disney Plus is going to go live. Also, I was very encouraged that the episodes are going to be weekly. Yes. So I won't which, have to, you know, binge. Yeah, which is something I'm very excited about. I'm, yeah. And also, it just means that we have more things to talk about weekly on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> which is also good for us. Yay. <laughs> uh, I'm also in November excited about season three or the next chunk of The Crown. Um, that's going to be debuting on a Sunday, oddly enough. I think huh. it is. Uh, November 17th. I could have that wrong. It's on Netflix. Um, the, the, the new, like, promos and stills and everything look great, as should be expected with that cast. Um, I also have heard good things about, uh, Netflix's Unbelievable, which is dropping soon, Friday, September 13th. That is based on the Pulitzer Prize winning article, An Unbelievable Story of Rape. Um, so it's going to be some heavy, heavy content. Um, but it stars Caitlin Deaver in the central role, and people will know her, of course, from being wonderful on Justified and also good in other things. Um, and <laughs> including that 
stupid Tim Allen show. Um, but it also is Tony Collette, Merritt Weaver, and some other really interesting people. And it's uh, apparently has some really careful and respectful handling of the uh, rape scenes that are in an inextricable part of the story. So, um, yeah, I, that's one that I'm a little curious about. I was going to skip it until I saw Caitlin Deaver and I was like, ooh. I was unaware that this was happening. Um, and I am now very excited about this because um, the article, the ProPublica article that this is adapting has also been turned into a really good nonfiction book called A False, a False Report, A True Story of Rape in America uh, that I read um, very, very early this year. This book is very, very good. Um, and it's a really good weaving of what this story is drawing from specifically with, um, the, um, the rape sequence, uh, not with the rape, with the rape case, I should say. Um, and then layers other things into it overall. Um, I'm really surprised that they're not pushing the book aspect and focusing on the, American Life and the ProPublica article. But I really encourage you to, if seek all of these out, um, at least the book, but um, the ProPublica article is also free, probably, because it's ProPublica. Um, but yeah, I'm suddenly very, very excited about this um, because that book is great. Um, and what you're telling me about the rape scenes fits with how they wrote about the rapes in the book which is in a way that is both very clinical, but also deeply harrowing um, and really respectful as well. Um, so I am now very, very excited about this. So thank you for bringing this to my attention. Okay. Uh, yeah, it feels like a strange thing to say, but these are still very important stories that need to be told. And yeah. so we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see what we think when, when that drops on Netflix. Listeners, let us know what you are excited about this fall on Network TV or if there are any uh, cable shows or streaming shows that you're excited for. Um, the That wraps up our fall 2019 TV preview. A few show notes here. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. Or you can uh, find us over in Apple Podcasts with an M4A chaptered feed and MP3 unchaptered feed. We're also up in Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. If you do leave us a rating review, reach out and let us know because we probably won't find out, especially if it's you're in another country that isn't the States. Um, we are both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse. And Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thanks for a terrific week, Kate. Thanks, Noel. And one more plug for TVGuide.com. Go check out your Steven Universe. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah. Go, please, please go do that and justify my fee that they paid yeah. me for it. <laughs> <laughs> and you can check out my coverage of the Great British Baking Show uh, week to week over at the AV Club as that is airing on uh, Netflix, and we'll have thoughts on that next week. But thank you again, Noel. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Mm-hmm.